0: Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast. Andre Galiber. Game three is upon us. Huge game in the series. But game two, the Knicks took care of business and did what they needed to do. A lot of folks out here grading the victory. Listen, that's not what you're here to do now. This is the playoffs. It doesn't matter how they won the game. Oh, Jimmy Butler didn't play, and they're already without Tally Heroes, so they should have blown the Heat out. That's not how any of this works. Not with the Knicks team. That's not how this works. This team wins ugly. They don't blow people out consistently. Uh, When Randall was missing in Game 1, all you saw were kudos for the Miami Heat for winning that game. Because Randall is disrespected. It doesn't matter that he's 25 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. None of that matters. The Heat have been without Hero. They beat the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks without Hero. They can't beat the Knicks in game one. You're at a point now where the Heat are kind of being underrated as a team because they don't have big names. The Heat came into the season very much with with the team that you're looking at on the floor. There were times this year where Oladipo wasn't even in the rotation. So... The loss of Oladipo, it hurts them absolutely, but it's he's he's a role player on that team. Hero, however, is a prime time scorer for that team. But Hero is not a two way player. So when you can replace Hero with a guy like Kyle Lowry, giving him more minutes or giving Struess more minutes, and in this case, the eighty million dollar man in Duncan Robinson, who's back on his grind and he's knocking shots down, he's not a two way player either, but he's a much more potent weapon. When he's knocking that shot down. Because there's no defense. If he gets any look. He's putting that shot up. And it has a good chance of going in. Because of his height. Hero is a nice one-on-one player. He's a dynamic three-level scorer. I get it. They can find his off, They can find the offense you're missing from Hero. You can find it from other places. If you need somebody to create a shot. You just give it to Jimmy Butler. You, you, it's not like you don't have a shot creator on the team. You're replacing Hero with defense in the form of Martin, in the form of uh, Kyle Lowry, you're replacing his offense by getting more shots of Struce and Duncan Robinson. I'm not saying it doesn't matter that he's missing. I'm saying when you miss your 25 points per game, 10 rebounds, 4 assists guy, the guy who draws double teams every time he gets uh, the ball in his hands, when you're missing that guy and you have to play a guy like Obi Toppin, where the best thing he does, no shade, is shoot the ball and nobody wants him to shoot going by the amount of complaints that people had for him going 4 of 11 from the field from 3. The best thing he does is shoot the ball and half the people don't even want him to do it. Yeah, he's an energy guy, he's a hustle guy, and yes, he has potential to do other things, and he spaces the floor very, very well, give him all the credit in the world. But he's not Julius Randle, and there's no backup behind OB at the 4 position, which means you're playing small when he's not there. So the the notion that Julius Randle wasn't missed in game one because the Knicks have Jalen Brunson is just so simplistic. You know, Jimmy Butler played (laughs) for Miami. So the notion, oh, they don't have hero, it's even. Listen, stop it. This team beat the Milwaukee Bucks. They can come in here and, and win game one. Now, game two with no Jimmy Butler, the expectation was the Knicks are going to blow them out and i'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I told someone if they lost that game, I was off I was done i wasn't I wasn't going to emotionally invest in anything the Knicks did for the rest of the season because the series was over because they had to win that game they had even though they had a gimpy Jalen Brunson, he was gimpy, came through in the third quarter, came through when they needed him. Randall came back off injury, and he looked very good. I like the way Randall looked in that game. He had good energy. He was pushing the pace. That's something that he doesn't always do. Uh, I didn't see many opportunities for him to advance the ball, which is another fatal flaw of his. But he pushed the ball every chance he got. He was trying to get the Knicks to push the ball every chance they got. He had good energy. He sprayed the ball around when he got into the paint. I just like the way Julius approached that game. But they had a gimpy Jalen Brunson. But what did you see from the Miami Heat with no Jimmy Butler? And it was an impressive, an, impressive, an impressive showing for them, for sure. Because all they did was take advantage of the fact that the Knicks had to overreact to every action on the perimeter. And they attacked the basket. And I'm seeing numbers now. People are reflecting on the fact that Miami Heat have been so efficient at the rim. The reason why they're efficient at the rim is because they're efficient at the three-point line. Which is why I came into the series telling you that I was concerned about Kevin Love and concerned about Gabe Vincent, And I wasn't the only one. I saw other people on Twitter say the same thing. And they got laughed at and shunned because most of you aren't basketball fans. You're Knicks fans. Because if you're basketball fans and you watch the Miami Heat and you watch the season series against the Knicks, you know that these are two guys Kevin Love did not play well in the season series and now he's playing well. Dude, so you got Kevin Love on the floor... You got somebody who takes charges at the front of the rim it an excellent paint scoring team. He's a guy who can box out and get tough boards uh, in the paint, whereas they don't have anyone else who can play that position in that team. So if he's out there and he's effective on the offensive end, he's going to be a factor on the boards. Defensively, he's going to be a factor taking charges charges at the front of the rim, something he hasn't done much because he'd have been in his own and it's like 30 people in the paint every time they Knicks do something because they're not shooting well. And that's what this comes down to. The Heat are shooting well. And while they're shooting, and they shot well against the Heat, I mean, I'm sorry, the Bucks as well. While they're shooting well, they become impossible to guard. It's easy to say, "Oh, well, you gotta get up on the shooters. Yeah, and when you get up on the shooters, that means the paint opens up. And the reason why Mitchell's not in the paint is because Bam is doing dribble handoffs and setting screens out on the perimeter. And if Kevin Love is on the court, then he's out there doing the same thing, and he can shoot it. So you have two bigs that present two different options, and and, uh, Bam will hit you with the mid-range as well. So the Knicks are stretched because of the shooting from the Miami Heat, and the Miami Heat are very aggressive shooters. Not all of the guys shooting are better shooters than the Knicks. Statistically, Gabe Vincent isn't much better than many of the shooters on the Knicks, so he's just not afraid to put it up, and he puts it up without hesitation. The Knicks hesitate on top of not shooting well. They're also hesitant shooters. So you can sag off of them and and sprint back to them, and you can chase the Knicks off a lot of shots. That's not the case with the Heat. Duncan Robinson is going to put that ball up in your face. Struess is going to put it up in your face. Gabe Benson is going to put it up in your face. Kevin Love is going to put it up in in your face. That's the difference between these two teams. And As as long as Miami is shooting well, the Knicks are going to have an uphill battle because look at these scores. They're around 100 points. It's not like it's not like they're scoring 120 points like they did against the Bucks. They're not scoring a ton of points. It's not like the Knicks defense is playing poorly. It's just like the Atlanta series frankly where the Knicks defense is giving up three-pointers and they're giving up easy baskets which is not which is not a good thing. And you see the defense being stretched and stressed. But ultimately, they're not giving up a bunch of points. But they're not scoring a bunch of points. And that's really the problem here. The Knicks should be scoring more points on this team. The zone defense that Miami Heat are playing, people think it's perplexing the Knicks. It's not really perplexing the Knicks. The problem is the Knicks aren't shooting them out of the zone. That's the real problem. They're not shooting them out of the zone. They're not getting into the pain of the zone and finishing and making and making plays, even though you saw Randall do that. You're not getting the Jalen Brunson controlling the offense and defense, controlling the offense for his own team and controlling the defense by manipulating them and making them make decisions because they can't stop him. You're not seeing that from Jalen Brunson because he's, he's banged up and he's not playing well. And, again, you saw an uptick uh, down the stretch of this last game. Jalen Brunson, they're not playing excellent defense on Jalen Brunson. I don't care what anyone says. They're not playing excellent defense on Jalen Brunson. They're doing a decent job, but they're not doing anything he hadn't seen before. He's missing his shots. Simple as that. He's missing his shots. And I was watching, somebody posted a clip of what Jalen Brunson did to Cleveland towards the end of the season. Where, uh, I think it was a 48-point game he put up. And... He was so spry and so quick and so bouncy. And you're not seeing that now. And it was such a, a stark difference between then and now. And you're like, okay, this guy, he's hurt. He's playing hurt. He doesn't have the same quickness and bounciness that he had before. And it's really hurting the team because nothing Miami is doing is taking Brunson out of his offense. Is He doesn't have the same quickness and speed that he typically has. I'm not going to take full credit away from Miami, but I just don't see anything that Miami's doing that's stopping him. He's not necessarily being double teamed. Yes, they were in the zone, so when he gets into a paint, it could be a little bit tricky, but he usually murders people. He, and you saw, you saw it in game two. You saw him hit, uh, I believe, Duncan Robinson with a fadeaway jump shot, even though Martin came over and, and like, I'm going to say waved at him, tried to distract him from the backside because RJ was too close to him. And again, they don't they don't respect R.J.'s jump shot, so they sag off, which makes everyone else's life difficult. Even though R.J.'s shooting well in this series, I don't think Miami's going to adjust totally on R.J. Barrett and his shooting. I think, because they still contest late, I don't think they're going to sag off of him any less. They're getting out there to contest it late, and I think they're comfortable with that. They're going to live and die with R.J. Barrett hitting jump shots, and I think they're okay with that. So that's not going to stop. But Brunson hit a nice little fadeaway jump shot over Duncan Robinson. That's the kind of shot that Brunson's been hitting all year. When they put different guys on him and the paint's clogged up, he finds ways to hit that jump shot. He finds ways to still get baskets. And you're not seeing that quite as much now. And it's obvious to me because he's hampered. As As we speak, he is questionable for Game 3. Now, I think he's playing. He did aggravate the injury in the game. It was obvious if you read between the lines, that he's really playing in a lot of pain. And again, watching watching him in a record. Go back and watch his highlights from regular season and see how quick. Go watch that Cleveland game. See how quick and spry he looked in that game. And look at him now. Very, very slow in what he's doing right now. So that's hurting the Knicks offense because Jalen Brunson is such a key component to what they do. Every team has to collapse on him. And 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 get him out of his shots and double team and trap him and they don't have to do that now because he's not lights out. And then they were at with were without Julius Randle up until game two. And you saw the game he had, eight assists in that game. You love how he played. And then now you have a guy, another guy on the floor that has to draw double teams because Julius Randle's not afraid of anybody on Miami. I think I said that before the series. He's not afraid. Charles Brockley made that, that case during the um, broadcast as well. Julius Randle is very confident against Miami, and I said that before the series. Miami they they don't they don't stop Julius Randle. He's not afraid to bam out of bio. Julius Randle is, a, is an offensive factor in this series. He hit some jumpers in this game. Don't let Julius Randle start hitting jump shots and get, and go off because he's going to bust that zone. And the problem, another problem. With the zone defense that Miami's playing. Is they're playing Josh Hart. Who had nine assists in the game. And I see a lot of people saying that Josh Hart should play more point guard. Because he has nine assists. You guys don't understand how his assists are coming. The ball is being swung to Josh Hart. In that zone. And he's passing up the shot. And sometimes he's collapsing the defense. Which is a good thing. And then finding a kick out to someone else. Who's knocking that shot down. Right. That that action, that whole action that found Josh Hart on the perimeter open and he passed that shot up, it started more than likely with Randall and Brunson. So what you're doing is you're giving Hart credit for getting assists off actions that were started by other players. And there's nothing wrong with that. All credit to Josh Hart. All credit due. There's nothing, there's no criticism there. It's just that you can't look at his assist numbers in a vacuum and say he should play point guard because he's getting so many assists. That's not it. That's not at all what's happening there. All right, and now you do have the transition opportunities that Josh Hart creates for the team, which is, they're priceless. They're priceless. They really are. They're priceless. And he, he need to get more. You need to get the ball at him every time the Knicks get a rebound. Frankly, I'm honest with you, because he handles the transition opportunities much better than any other Nick. But maybe R.J. is right there with them. Jalen Brunson, not so much. And I think so if you can get the ball to Josh Hart in transition, I think that's just money in the bank. I saw Josh Hart doing an interview talking about how, you know, one thing that he can do to help quickly get involved in the game more is to find him in transition. He gets a little tunnel vision, he says, when he drives to the basket, he doesn't see the kick out. Uh, I I think that's good and bad is good self-awareness is good Is he's being a good teammate, trying to create opportunities for IQ who's struggling on multiple fronts. But I also don't want him to get to a point where he stops looking at what's been effective for him, even though the Miami Heat have stopped him a couple times at the rim. He's been overly he's been effective I and mean, he leads the league in coast to coast uh buckets off rebounds. He's been effective doing what he's doing, so you don't want him to change too too much. You know, you want him to find a happy medium. I've seen him thinking on the court where he feels like he has to get the ball to guys. I've seen him Force passes because you know he wants to pass the ball instead of just playing instinctively. We've seen that I've seen that a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, you don't want you want him to play the game that he norm normally plays. You make tweaks here and there, but you don't want to you know step outside of your own skin trying to do something for someone else, and then all of a sudden now you're making the wrong basketball play. So you want him to play his game and not be overthinking it like some of the other Knicks are doing, like IQ, but. The point is, you don't just make Josh Hart the point guard because you think he's going to get all the assists and going to break down the defense and look to pass the ball from the point guard position. Those opportunities are coming to him because of the other actions the Knicks are running. They're not starting with him. Right. And, and listen, if, you, if the ball finds Josh Hart's hands early in the shot clock and he wants to turn the corner and get into teeth of the defense and find somebody open, he is, he is very welcome to do that. So there is, there is a, an argument to be made that Jalen is taking too long to get into whatever he's trying to do. And you've seen issues with that off and on throughout the year. But you only, it only comes to a head when he's not making his shots. When he's not making his shots, it's really like Jalen got the ball too much. You're dribbling the ball too much. You, you see all of that criticism, which is legitimate, because he's not making his shots and he's not making plays. So Jalen has to play with more pace. The Knicks have to play with more pace. I think the Knicks is a middle ground because the more pace the Knicks play with, the more pace the Heat play with, and that kind of helps the Heat. The Knicks want to make the Heat score on them in the half court. You don't want to have to give them easy buckets and transition threes. So the Knicks have to control pace to a degree as well. But it is a middle ground. It doesn't mean you take you know bad shots. It just means that, Jalen, if you're going to get into something, get into it faster that way, if you do collapse the defense and they do, and they do surround you. You can spray the ball out, and there's plenty of time to find another shot and give someone else an opportunity to find a shot for someone else, which is what Josh Hart has been doing. But I do think there's a problem with Josh Hart in the starting lineup. Even though you want Hart to play with Brunson, Moore, et cetera, you were successful with Hart in the, with the second unit. I don't like him in in uh, with the starters because. R.J. Barrett is already not being guarded. There are no strong shooters in the starting unit outside of Jalen Brunson. When Quentin Grimes is on the floor, he's the second solid shooter. You're playing against his own defense, and you're playing against two bigs with their starting unit. So, now I understand that Quentin Grimes is coming back from injury. You're working him him back, so you didn't start him game one. You also want to match Hart's minutes with Butler's minutes. So game two, to me, was the perfect opportunity to get Grimes back into the starting lineup, and you saw in Game Two, Grimes played very well. It may not reflect itself in the numbers; he didn't make many shots, but his defense was is the reason why he was in the game down the stretch. They were running actions that were had Bam rolling to the basket, and it was very difficult to stop because you had to guard the perimeter. Quentin Grimes was coming all the way from the weak side, and he was he was jacking up that play one time. He fouled Bam out of bio pretty hard. The next time he made a great play knocking the ball out of his hands and, and and the Miami ended up getting the ball in the scramble play. I think they still scored in that possession. That's a play that R.J. Barrett's not going to make. It's, not a, it's a play that R.J. Barrett's not going to make. It's not a play that you saw Josh Hart make and it's, gonna be, it's not going to be Josh Hart because he's not going to be on the weak side with Jimmy Butler very often. You didn't see it in game two. It, it was Quentin Grimes who was coming from the weak side who was making that play that no one else on the team was probably going to make. Because they don't have the quickness, speed and quickness to do it. IQ maybe is another guy that can make that play. Nick Bride being a smaller player. Maybe he can be there and make that play. But Grimes' Grimes's size was also a factor there. Because he had to actually knock that ball out of from getting to Bam high. So if that ball was passed high to Bam a couple times. He had to jump in the air and knock that ball down. It was an excellent play. He did it more than once, and it was game, both were game-changing. One play, Miami still scored on the play fine. They got a little lucky, but the second play, the Knicks the Knicks were able to benefit from that play. In a sense, I actually think they got called for a foul the second time. I should, gotta go back and look, but it, it, they benefited, in a sense, from both plays because not now Miami had to think about where Quentin Grimes is going to be on that play. They did not run that play again. That's that's how you change the game defensively. That's why he was in that game down the stretch, and not RJ Barrett. And I really did think RJ Barrett was gonna make his way back into the to the game because he had a very decent, a very good first half, a decent game overall. I thought he was gonna be back in that game at the end of the game there. I thought Grimes was gonna get pulled. I was actually advocating Hart to get pulled instead of Grimes because I saw the impact that Grimes was making and I saw that. Grimes is kind of getting himself into the game. He was getting himself into the flow a little bit more than he had been. And that was important going forward. So not only was he playing well in the game, but it's going to benefit the Knicks, should benefit the Knicks in, in theory, the rest of the series because you need him. You need him in that starting lineup, frankly, because he stretches the floor. And now you have two players in Brunson and Grimes, and Grimes doesn't need to be open. He's kind of like like Duncan Robinson and, and Gabe Vincent where when he's on it, he doesn't need to be open to shoot it. He's going to shoot it on your closeout, especially if it's a small closeout, small player closing out. He's going to shoot it anyway. And if he gets hot, it's a problem. It's a problem. If he's hot and aggressive, it's a problem for Miami. The reason why I said that Miami didn't have a chance to win this series is because the Knicks do have a lot of weapons to attack Miami. The problem is some of those weapons are muted right now. You've seen that in IQ. You've seen that in Grimes. I think Grimes is more of a weapon with the first unit because he's going to get more shots. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive to some of the stuff that you saw during the regular season where Quentin Grimes sometimes didn't touch the ball when he was with the first unit. But against a zone defense, he's going to get more shots if he's aggressive about it. The ball will find him, and he will get more shots, and he will make them pay. He can make them pay for being in that zone other than, uh, more so than Hart, even though you can make the argument that Hart passing those shots up uh, and penetrating uh, into the middle of the teeth of the defense and then spraying it back out to someone else has its benefits. But, I, I honestly, I think Grimes is the better play for that first unit. I think it's good for him. I think it's good for Hart to be with the second unit, which is struggling right now because IQ is struggling. So now you're putting a, a player who can add more value. I'm not going to say more value. I'm going to say add as much value to the second unit as he's adding to the first unit. And the first unit can add value to Quentin Grimes, who's kind of lost in the series. And he'll make them a more efficient group out there, I think. So it's not like it's not a lot of people see things in binary terms where it's all this, all that. I just think there is more benefit to Grimes starting and Hart coming off the bench than Hart starting and Grimes coming off the bench. There's at the end of the day, you're going to be a net positive if you switch those two places. It's not all or nothing. It's just you're going to lose something, you're going to gain something. And I think you're going to gain more than you lose. You, the Knicks need Quentin, Quentin Grimes in this series. They need all of their... These are the parts that make them better. The parts that make them better are their bench, and their bench is not playing well. You Got nothing out of Obi Toppin. Seems like Obi Toppin had a little bit of rabbit ears after I was talking a whole lot of trash for him, saying that that's the last thing that he does have is rabbit ears. He's going to go out there and play his game regardless. But then you saw him come out and shoot two air balls, and then you saw when Josh Hart was mic'd up, you saw Josh Hart trying to talk to him, telling him to to keep shooting, whereas he was seemingly a little bit hesitant to do so, which is scary. You know, uh, Obi Toppin with no confidence, I can see him missing every shot the rest of the series. (laughs) I was talking all kinds of mess about how he's built for this and he's not going to lose his confidence and he's going to go out there and play his game. After he heard everybody saying he was shooting too much, he came out shot two air balls and now needed a pep talk from Josh Hart, that's scary. And that tells you that he's listening a little bit too much to these stupid fans out there that were complaining about him essentially shooting 30, 40% from the field in the first game. Gabe Vincent, the Knicks are sick and tired of Gabe Vincent out there taking I mean, listen, when he goes cold, he goes cold. He's a streak shooter. That's the reason why you don't know, most of you don't know who Gabe Vincent is. He's a streak shooter. He's a solid player, but he's a streak shooter. Gabe Vincent went out there and shot 5 of 12 from the from 3. And everybody was talking about the great game he had. Obi Toppin shoots four of 11, and people were talking about how he needs to stop shooting. It's ridiculous. And one of those shots, I believe, was an end-of-the-quarter heave. So he's really 4'10". He needed to, He needs to keep shooting. He needs, you need to shoot these guys out of the zone, provided they are good shots. If they're not good shots, that's different. If you can put the ball on the floor and attack the closeout, you need to do that. But you don't you don't have Obi Toppin afraid to shoot, you're not gonna get anything out of him. And who knows what's going on with quickly. And I've been talking about this. Oh, I'm gonna keep saying it because this is not about quickly as much as is a as it is about the fans And the and what's being called now the hives, the player hives. The way Beyonce has her hive. The player hives who of fans who will defend their guy regardless of how they're playing. And listen. I've said it before with IQ. IQ has a responsibility to be more aggressive and effective when he's on the floor. I'm seeing people blame Thibodeau for having a quick hook on him and not putting the ball in his hands more. Like, get out of here, man. IQ's given the same opportunity he's been given all year long. He's just not doing the same thing with him. And he needs to. And at this point, I think he knows that. And I know he's a faithful guy. I know he has a strong belief system and he needs to rely on that because the Knicks need him. They, the Knicks need him to be him. And if he's not going to be him, the Knicks, their margin for error is very small. They need Quentin Grimes and IQ to be who they were all season. And I know the playoffs can take people out of, of the series and make them less effective. It is a scary thing to see that that might be happening to IQ because of the high hopes that people have for IQ and who he is as a player. Because the way he, the way he is effective, should not be so easily taken away from from him. And you saw, as soon as Jalen Brunson in the fourth quarter came to the scorer's table, he scored twice in a row. He had a better game yesterday than he did before. It's just he was a little bit more aggressive, but he needs to he needs to stay aggressive and he needs to take good shots. He needs to take the shots that he knows he can make he needs to play he needs to play against his tendencies to some degree you saw Gabe Martin take a charge on him because he knew when he was driving left that he was going to come back right you know these are the type of habits that are not that are not exploited often sometimes in a regular season especially when you have an emerging player the IQ is coming off a bad season but these are the things that good teams see and they take that away from you IQ is not very effective going left. He only wants to go right off of those screens. And they're playing him. And the Cavs did the same thing. They're playing him to that effect and is making him a less effective player. But he has to be more aggressive. And, and you know he can dribble with his left hand. You know he can drive left. If the opportunity is there, you got to take it. you got to be more aggressive. The second unit for the Heat usually has just one big man on the floor there's not a lot of size out there, and he should be able to take advantage of them. He should be able to, if he's going to be the player that we, that we all think he's going to be, then he can't be a guy who's just another guy on the floor. He can't be outplayed essentially by Gabe Vincent. Even though Gabe Vincent is obviously getting a lot of opportunities, Is not really a, a fair comparison, Gabe Vincent was also effective when he was getting less opportunities because he's a very aggressive shooter. He understands where his opportunities are. He has his limitations as well. IQ has to be more aggressive, and he has to be the same way. You can't be a zero out there. He is one of the Knicks' best players. He's one of the Knicks' best players on the floor, and he has to play that way. Now, I know he hears the noise. I know he knows that, and he's out there trying to feel his way around, trying to find opportunities, but he needs to make these opportunities, and he needs to play with that joy. He needs to play with that confidence, and let the chips fall where they may, and those minutes will come. I think with IQ, unfortunately, with IQ, is that IQ needs more minutes to be effective sometimes. And I've seen people make that argument. I've had arguments with people about that. That's just not how that really works. And this is the playoffs. The coaching staff can't afford to roll the dice that you're going to play better if they give you more minutes. And they're losing possessions and and, and they're not getting the looks that they want to get. Defensively, IQ is usually always there, but if they feel like they can get better offense if they put someone else on the floor, on the floor they're going to do that. This is the playoffs. You have to step up. You can't be. You can't be on some. Well, I play better if I get more minutes. Or I get a rhythm. Nah, it's not what this is. You got to be a pro now. The Knicks. They desperately need IQ, and IQ can easily be the difference in this game. He can be the difference in every game because they can play even with the Miami Heat. With the guys who are contributing now. Quentin Grimes starts to give you something. All of a sudden, Quentin Grimes is shooting the Heat out of that zone. He shoots them out of that zone. And towards the end of the game, I thought the Miami Heat came out of that zone a little bit too. The Miami Heat start coming out of that zone. And this lights out. Because they don't have anybody to guard anybody on this team. Their best defender, Bam Adebayo. You, you think that Bam can guard Jalen. And you think that Bam can guard Randall? He cannot guard Randall. And there's nobody else on that team that can guard anybody. Martin is a pretty good defender. He might be able to give Jalen a little bit of trouble, but we didn't see that in a regular season. He can't give Randall any trouble. These guys are just aggressive and physical, and they understand. And Lowry, of course, is is a pain in the butt, but he can't guard. You just, you got to beat uh, Lowry and protect the ball. He can't really, he's not really going to guard Jalen Brunson. He He will mess Randall up because Randall tends to be ridiculous sometimes. He had Gabe Vincent on him with about seven seconds in the shot clock, and he screwed off that whole seven seconds because he had already decided that he was going to shoot over, shoot over Gabe Vincent. And, he, and because Gabe Vincent was so up in his face and playing physical defense, he made it difficult for him to put the ball on the ground so that he can take that shot and get the right balance for it. But he had already decided to do it. That prefabricated move stuff really pisses me off, and it really wastes the possession. If he had just pivoted and spun... On Gabe Benson out there, he would have had whatever shot he wanted. He wanted to drive to the basket and contest, and and, and go up against Bam's contest. If he wanted to pull up and shoot a jumper, he could have done that. But he had already decided he wanted to shoot a step back fadeaway in the corner. That's the type of nonsense you don't want to see from Randall or anyone else. But they cannot guard. Oh, of course, I, I'm acting like Jimmy Butler is not playing. I, you know Jimmy Butler is going to play. Jimmy Butler has not shown any history of being able to guard uh, Julius Randall. So, he can maybe give Brunson some trouble, but he cannot guard Julius Randle. So, they come out of that zone, it's going to be lights out. It's going to be lights out for Duncan, it's going to be lights out for Struis, and Struce is actually a better defender, I think, than people think, but it's still going to be lights out. He can't guard Brunson. It's going to be lights out. RJ Barrett has actually scored on on Jimmy Butler plenty in his career. These guys can't guard the Knicks one-on-one. So... They have to be in that zone. So if you get them out of that zone, and I think the Heat know this, they're, they're not going to win this series unless they're shooting lights out from three. And on that front, the Miami Heat were taking advantage of the fact that sometimes Hartenstein and, and Mitchell Robinson are slow to come out on dribble handoffs and screens on the perimeter with shooters. I don't know if you're going to see that again, even though that's been a bad habit all season. I don't know if you're going to see that again this whole series now. You saw at the end of the game, Duncan Robinson was able to get open off uh, a down screen uh, at the top of the key. Oh, it was on the wing, a screen at the wing, and he was able to catch the ball and shoot a fadeaway three that was wide open because Mitchell didn't come out, and then they tried to run that play a little bit later, and Mitchell came all the way out, and Duncan had to shoot like basically a heave that hit the top of the backboard. Now now that's what now, now, that's what Mitchell needs to do, but when Mitchell does that, That opens up, bam, rolling to the basket. So the Knicks have to, you know, you're picking your poison there. If Mitchell's going to come that far out, then the roll to the basket is going to be there, and then somebody from the corner is going to have to step down, and somebody's going to get a wide open corner three. So the Miami's offensive process is always going to create open shots, especially when Jimmy's not there because Jimmy, when Jimmy, when the offense runs through Jimmy, the ball is obviously a little bit more stagnant. Jimmy's very capable of finding open people when defenses collapse on him. But because it's the same thing over and over, it can be easy to easier to guard as opposed to when the offense is coming from four different places on the court. That they can run the same action with Struce and get open shots, the same action with Duncan. The same action with Lowry. Lowry won't necessarily shoot the three, but he'll come downhill. And he's gotten very good at throwing that little pocket pass to Bam out of Bio. Finding Bam on that roll. Gabe Vincent is a very aggressive shooter off those screens. And if you trail him on the screen and don't come up, he's going to shoot it. And he's been very good at trapping, ball, trapping defenders coming off those screens. And, and he's been good overall in the series. So because Jimmy wasn't there... There was offense coming from so many different places. It becomes very difficult to guard. When Jimmy is there, Jimmy's difficult to guard. But it, the offense becomes a little bit more predictable. And sometimes being predictable isn't bad if you're still going to be effective. But there's ebbs and flows to that. And you saw that a little bit in the Bucks series where the Bucks let the Heat hang around. And then the Bucks, because of their own inefficient offense, started giving up opportunities to the Heat. And the Heat started turning those opportunities into buckets. And you saw Jimmy getting nuts in those games, right? But throughout the game, they played, you know, decently. And if they were effective on the offensive end, those, those games would have been over. If they didn't leave shooters open off of dribble handoffs and, and screens and didn't sink to the paint and watch guys shoot, they might have won that series. Jimmy Butler got hot, started hitting shots on Drew Holiday and, and uh, whoever else was trying to guard him. He gets the ball. Spostra tends to get Jimmy the ball close to the basket. And sometimes Jimmy just gets the ball close to the basket. And because Bam is around, sometimes it's hard to figure out whether he's going past it to pass to the Bam or go up strong. He gets the foul a lot. All of this to say is the offense becomes a little bit more predictable when Jimmy's on the floor. As opposed to when he's not on the floor and the offense comes from a zillion different places. And as much as you talk about the Miami Heat in that game too, they only put, what, 106 points on the board? It's not like they're scoring, and I mentioned this earlier, it's not like they're scoring a zillion points. This is about the Knicks scoring themselves. This is about the Knicks solving that zone defense and hitting, really hitting outside shots. Because the Knicks are a paint scoring team and they sink in the paint and they leave people open. And the Knicks have to make those passes, and they have to shoot it and score it. Bottom line. And if they're not going to hit shots, and they haven't hit shots all playoffs, and it's real easy to sell a narrative the Knicks can't shoot. It's not the Knicks can't shoot. It's their, Josh Hart is a sometimes shooter. R.J. Barrett is a sometimes shooter who's actually shooting well. But Brunson shot 40% from three. Quentin shot 40% from three for most of the season since December. Quentin Grimes shoots 40, 40% from three. Uh, You know, Julius Randles is sometimes a shooter out there, much like R.J. Barrett, but he shoots better than R.J. Barrett. It's not that they can't shoot. It's just that they're they're average shooters. Obi Toppin, his numbers are terrible on the season shooting threes, but if you watch Obi Toppin, you know he can shoot the 3 they They're not bad shooters. They're average shooters, but they're also very hesitant shooters, and that's the problem. They're hesitant, whereas... Miami, they're not. They're just going to shoot it. And they take their chances and of course they have two great shooters on the team and Duncan and Struz. So that's a big help. But Martin is not a great shooter, but he can knock it down. Lowry's not a great shooter at this point in his career, but you know he can knock it down. Kevin Love's numbers don't reflect him being a great shooter, but you know he can knock it down. But more than anything, if you sag off of them, they're going to they're going to put it up with confidence. And I don't know if the Knicks are going to turn into a confident outside shooting team that doesn't hesitate to put that shot up, and maybe they shouldn't. But they do need to hit these outside shots to get these guys out of this zone. And this zone is the only chance Miami has to win this series. I don't care nothing about Jimmy Butler. The Knicks have seen Jimmy Butler before. Okay, they've seen him before. They have a guy that plays him well. You know, they might lose this game three. Miami's going to be crazy. Jimmy Butler's back. He's going to get the crowd into it. They're going to be hitting their shots. The Knicks have dealt with that before. If Brunson is right, if Randall is right, and then the Knicks start hitting their outside shots, this series is over. But if they can't shoot it, it's not about what Miami's doing on offense. Because Miami's going to score. They're going to score on enough possessions to beat you or keep it close at the end of the game. And you know they have all the advantages at the end of the game, between and and Butler, they have all the advantages at the end of the game. Didn't get any shot they want at the end of the game. With all of those timeouts, Spoh's going line, to line up everybody and get them a good shot every single time. You don't want these games to be close at the end, especially on the road. Put their game in the referee's hands. You don't want any of that. You're going to see Miami, whatever adjustments Miami comes into this game with, that's what you're going to see for the rest of the series. So I think the first quarter of this game is going to tell you a lot about what's going to happen schematically for the rest of the series you're going to see unless you know spo has some you know trick up tricks up his sleeve for the second half or something like that you're going to see whatever adjustments that whatever significant adjustments are going to be made in this series is going to be made in this in this game 3 there's been a lot of time off these teams are not the Knicks are not necessarily necessarily very creative offensively they they've been making more adjustments defensively than they have in the past but they're not necessarily creative offensively so whatever adjustments you see Spo make in this game three that's going to be the adjustment for the rest of the series. So that the Knicks can weather those storms, it's going to come down to make or miss. That's it, it's going to be make or miss. You're going to make your shots, you're going to miss your shots. They miss your shots, and that means they're just not good enough because it's a large sample size at this point. You can't, everybody can't be cold. And you can criticize Tibbs. Listen, you can criticize pretty much every coach in the playoffs about something. And you can criticize Tibbs for not getting more shots to this guy, and that guy. I've even seen people saying that they should play Fournier and Rose. You can do whatever criticism you want. At the end of the day, the guys are on the floor. When they get good shots, they need to knock them down. And they're getting good shots, and they need to knock them down. And they need to make good decisions while they're out there. They need to make solid basketball decisions while they're out there. And if they do that, they win the series. If they don't, they lose. And then you have to go back to the drawing board on some of those players and some of their decision making and some of their abilities and that and nobody's immune to that, and as good as i q has been defensively his his paycheck is really his paycheck is really going to be determined by what he does in these next few games. you can't disappear, you can't do it, you want to be the player you want to be you can't disappear here, and I know you're trying your best, I know. I know you're working hard, and your defense is invaluable, but you can't just be a defensive guy out there who's not getting enough on offense, especially when you're at the point guard position. R.J. Barrett is very good at going downhill. He's played well in this series, but in that second unit, R.J. Barrett isn't always the primary ball handler the Knicks need uh, because IQ isn't on his game. They need a sec- another guy. And I've been advocating all year long for that guy to be Quentin Grimes, to be a primary ball handler with that second unit, and that hasn't happened. If RJ doesn't have it going as a primary ball handler in that second unit, and he's played well in this series, and Josh Hart is with the starters, that means that Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart are going to be playing a ton of minutes just because you don't want to use Quentin Grimes as a primary ball handler. But let's go back to the source of it. IQ is not being effective. IQ is the key to... He is... Key number one to this series right now. If everybody does what they've been doing so far, good and bad, IQ wins. He's a difference maker. He wins every game. And let me hammer home the point. Jimmy Butler missed game two. Randall missed game one. Okay? Everybody wants to give the Heat all this credit for the Heat didn't score 150 points. I'm going to keep saying it. This wasn't about... This wasn't about Jimmy Butler's offense or the Miami Heat's offense in Game 2. This was about the Knicks' inability to shoot the ball. That's what this is about. And this series is going to be, is going to come down to the Knicks' ability to make plays offensively. Because defensively, they will make enough stops unless you see in this Game 3 that Spoel comes out with some tricks up his sleeve that completely change the series. And that's why I'm saying this first quarter, first half of this series is going to tell you a lot. If you see more of the same, if you're seeing, you're seeing the scores be about the same, obviously the Heat are going to be riding high at home coming back in game three. You got to weather that storm. But if you see more of the same quality of shots, where sometimes Miami Heat get wide open shots, and a lot of times it's a struggle for them to get a look, and a lot of times they're taking contested looks. If you see a lot of that, then this series, again, is going to come down Two, if nothing else gets better for the Knicks with the players who are on the floor and everything in status quo, it's going to come down to IQ playing better. If IQ starts to get you to that 15, 18 points per game range, or let's say 15 consistently with 5, 6 assists, if he's doing that, the Knicks are going to win. Because everything else is going to even out. Brunson's going to have his great games, he's going to have his good games, he's going to have his eh. And same thing with Randall and same thing with RJ. But they may not all do it the same night. One night, you're going to have a good Brunson, maybe a bad Randall, a good RJ, maybe a a bad Brunson. But if IQ is steady in that second unit, that's it. Knicks win. Anyway, check out sportsethos.com. Follow at sportsethos on Twitter. Follow at Knicks. Until next time.